So I, I just want to, tonight, I want to um, come back to our values series. I'm going to do it from a slightly different angle. Um, we've been looking these last few weeks at uh, the values of our church and see if I can get this up without the pieces falling out. Um, we've been talking about our four values, the fact that we want to be a Jesus-centered church, uh, we want to be Bible-based, we want to be spirit-led, and we want to be people-focused. And tonight, we're just going to look at this aspect of being people-focused, about being a people-focused church. And we say that we want to be a church, we want to be a church that is constantly and naturally reaching out to unchurched people, and to be a church where people can belong and experience community and play their part And we need to see people, if we're going to be people-focused, we need to be seeing people as God sees them. And by that, I mean seeing them, really seeing them, noticing them, being focused on them. And I I thought of the story of Zacchaeus, which we mentioned the other week, uh, I think in the evening. And um, I I thought of that story of Zacchaeus, which I love, and and when I was a child, um, we were told it and taught it in Sunday school. And we used to sing about Zacchaeus as well. But in Luke chapter 19 in the Bible, we read about Zacchaeus. And we read about Jesus' encounter with him and how Jesus sees him. And Jesus entered Jericho, um, which um, if you ever go on a trip to Israel, we went went to Jericho and uh, visited Jericho. And it's just fascinating to, to be there, to be in some of the biblical places. But Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there called Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, He looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down, I I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was was curious about Jesus. He wanted to see him. He wanted to get near him, but he was crowded out. He was crowded out by the masses of people that were gathering to see and hear Jesus. And because he was quite small, Zacchaeus, he couldn't couldn't get to the front of the crowd, so he he climbed up into this sycamore tree. He was a chief chief tax collector. He's one of the top guys who collected taxes for the Romans 
amongst the um, uh, Israeli people. And he was very rich, uh, we read. And there's a lot of people like Zacchaeus that are searching, I think, that are curious about faith or spirituality, that would like to encounter Jesus, that would like to get near him, and yet can't. And what I notice about this story is that Jesus notices him. Jesus notices them in the crowd. This massive kind of broiling mass of people as Jesus is walking along. You can probably imagine the dust kind of rising off the streets, the crowd of people around him, his disciples, the masses of people that turned up whenever Jesus was in town. And as he's walking along, just the fact that Jesus noticed Zacchaeus up in the tree, um, this man that was curious about faith and about Jesus and who Jesus was, Jesus saw him. Jesus noticed him, and Jesus knew his name. He called him by name, and he, he said, Zacchaeus, you need to come down from that tree. I don't know about that kind of electric moment when Jesus turned his gaze towards Zacchaeus and saw him and noticed him out of all the crowd and all of the noise. For Zacchaeus to be looking down and to lock eyes with Jesus and to be seen by him and to be known by him and to be named by him must have been an amazing electrical moment for him because Jesus knows us all by name. Jesus is people-focused. Jesus sees people. Now, many of you are too young to remember the sitcom Cheers. (laughs) Cheers was a sitcom back in the day and it was around a pub uh, where these guys would go and sit. And, and the lyrics of the song that played at the start of the sitcom every time was, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. And people do not get lost on Jesus Jesus knows their name, even in the crowds of people, even here tonight. And sometimes we don't know people's names. Now, we have a smaller service of, of an evening, but in the, in the morning, this place is pretty full. And, you know, we probably have four or five hundred people coming through here on a Sunday. I don't know everybody's name. I can't, I can't keep up with everybody's individual name. And sometimes we can get lost in a crowd and we can feel that we are not known or we are not seen or we are not recognized or people don't understand what's really going on in our lives. Sometimes we do lose sight of people and we don't notice them. And sometimes we're not in that sense people focused, but people matter to God and God sees them. There's another story in the Bible. I think of this story with Zacchaeus and Jesus seeing Zacchaeus and noticing him in the crowd. There's a story in the Old Testament with a a woman called Hagar and Ishmael, her son. And uh, we read about her in Genesis 16 and in Genesis chapter 21. And Hagar is uh, Abraham's maid servant or Sarah's maid servant. And Abraham sleeps with Hagar and has a child with her because Sarah cannot conceive. And uh, Hagar has this child, Ishmael, But Sarah gets very jealous of Hagar 
and basically mistreats her and throws her out the house. And so she's thrown out the house with her child. And we read in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And uh, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who has seen me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar was in the wilderness. She was destitute. She was pregnant and um, she was thrown out of her home and uh, she, was al- she felt so alone. And, and she's going to have this child and she's going to call him Ishmael. And Ishmael means the God who hears. God will hear me. And we read in chapter 21 of when Ishmael is, is born and she's thrown out of the house and she's in the desert and they have the last water to drink. And, she's, and the child is crying and Hagar is, is desperate. And, and yet God's, God hears, that we read in chapter 21, God hears the cry of the child and God intervenes. And, and he's called the God who hears me. The God who hears me. And he's also God who sees me. He's called El Roy here by Hagar. And it's the only occurrence of that name of God in the Bible. But you are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. I am seen by you, Hagar says. Now she may feel mistreated. She may feel alone. She may feel destitute. Um, a, A mother and her child thrown out and left alone. A woman alone in the wilderness following difficult relationships, following oppression, a woman and her child, and God saw her, and God heard her. So God sees in Jesus, God sees Zacchaeus in the crowds. He notices him. He knows his name. God sees Hagar in the wilderness, in the desert place, even though she's at the very bottom of her pit of her life. She's hit rock bottom. There's another story in the Bible, another woman who suffered for a long time with um, internal bleeding. And her story is told in Luke chapter 8. And, um, and Jesus has just met with a man, Jairus, and, and, uh, who's, who's asked him to come to his home to pray for his son. And as Jesus went with him, we read in, in Luke chapter 8, he was surrounded again by the crowds, the madding crowd. And as Jesus walks along and there's the hustle and there's the bustle and there's the dust and there's the noise and there's people tugging and people pushing and shoving. 
a woman in the crowd who has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and could not find a cure for her sickness. She comes up behind Jesus and she touches the fringe of his robe and immediately the bleeding stops. Who touched me, Jesus said. And everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing against you. What are you talking about? And Jesus said, somebody deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and she fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There are plenty of people like Hagar and Zacchaeus and the woman who suffered from bleeding. They can get lost in the crowd of our life. But they never get lost to God. They never get overseen by Jesus. They never get missed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they want us to be people like that. People that see people. That really see them. Even in the crowds that notice them, that hear them, and that listen to them. In Matthew chapter 10, we read, where Jesus is speaking of how God notices everything. And he says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God sees you. He is the God who sees you. He is the God who hears you. He is the God who is ultimately people-focused. And if we are to be a people-focused church and people, we must see people as God sees them and notices them, as Jesus notices them and encounters them and knows their name and hears their voice. There's another encounter that I was thinking of and I, I wrote about it one time and it's when Jesus heals a deaf and a mute man and I wrote it in the words of that man Jesus takes me aside away from the seething crowds away from the chaos I can't hear any difference but I can feel it the peace the calm the absence of the crushing crowds the settling of the dust. I can breathe a little easier. My heart rate starts to slow. I am perspiring with the effort and the fear of trying to get near to Jesus in the middle of this madding crowd. And Jesus reaches out and he touches me. He touches my ears, my deaf ears, the place of my infirmity. My years of frustration and isolation and loneliness. The place where no one else can reach me. The years of not being able to hear, to join in conversations, 
to share in the laughter, in lamp-lit conversations over communal meals. And Jesus reaches out and he touches me in this place. He is not just touching my ears, he's touching my heart. He's touching my pain and my sorrow and my frustration and my longings of all the years. My yearning to be understood, to hear and to be heard. My deep desire for connectedness and relationship and love. But he is not finished yet. He spits on his fingers and he places them on my tongue. My twisted, stumbling, mute tongue. My inability to speak, to communicate, to express my feelings and emotions. I have been locked in silence and isolation and loneliness for so long. Not hearing, not speaking, living on the edge, living in the shadows, trying to speak with my eyes. But this has only ever been the tip of the iceberg. As he touches my tongue, Jesus looks up to heaven. And there is something fierce in his eyes, frustration, anger, intense love and longing. I feel his sigh as he communicates with his father. I see his lips moving, but then something else, something I can hardly grasp or understand. I am hearing sound, noise for the first time. And my tongue, my tongue feels like it's on fire. It's moving and free and it's forming sounds that are intelligible. I cannot only feel myself speaking, I can hear the guttural, joy-filled cries that start to form from deep within and rise up over my revitalized vocal cords and tongue. I am speaking and I am hearing and I am laughing and I am crying. I see deep joy in Jesus' eyes and he laughs with me. Jesus has opened my ears and he has loosed my tongue. But more than that, he has restored my life. I have never felt such joy and amazement. In fact, I am overwhelmed with amazement and joy. My senses are overloaded with the pure and beautiful goodness of God. I still can't believe it. Jesus saw people and he touched people and he healed people and he knew their name and he heard their voice and he restored their voice and their sight. But we must also see people as Jesus sees them. The first point is we must see people as Jesus sees them in that he notices people. He notices people in the crowds. He notices individuals. He knows their name. And we must see people like that too. And we must be people focused in that way too. But he sees people in a different way. He sees their intrinsic value. He sees their absolute worth and the dignity of every individual. What did people see when they looked at Zacchaeus? What would we see if we saw Zacchaeus? A small man? An insignificant man? A rich man? a tax collector, a sinner. And that's what people around him were seeing. The people were displeased at Jesus' attention given to Zacchaeus, at his going to his home for dinner. They grumbled. <laughs> they were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they said, of Jesus. 
But how did Jesus see Zacchaeus? Jesus saw Zacchaeus as someone who was ripe for salvation. Someone curious enough to climb a tree to see him. Someone willing to open his heart and home to Jesus. And Jesus responded to Zacchaeus and said, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. That's how Jesus saw him, a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. God saw destiny and purpose and hope for a woman in the wilderness who saw herself as forsaken and hopeless. Jesus saw faith in a woman that the rest of society saw as an outcast and dirty and hopeless. And Jesus saw faith and he saw hope and he saw salvation and he saw destiny and he saw purpose. He saw people made in the image of God. Jesus saw children of Abraham. And Steve Chalk says that when he ministers to people who are on the outside, on the outskirts, the outliers, he says, when I look into their eyes, I imagine that I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus. I see there the image of God, people of intrinsic value. Michelangelo, the great sculptor and painter, said every block of stone has a statue inside it, and it is the task of the sculpture to discover it. I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. And when we look at people, when we're people-focused, when we look at one another, if we look hard enough, we can see the angel in the marble, and we can carve until that angel is set free. Jesus saw people. Jesus noticed people. Jesus accepted people. Jesus loved people. And Jesus reached out to people. He reached out across cultures, and so he would meet a Samaritan woman at a well. Samaritans would not speak to Jews, and Jews would not speak to Samaritans and men would not speak to women and women would not speak to men. And Jesus crossed that cultural divide and he reached out to this woman with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus crossed generations as well. The little children came and wanted to play and wanted to be blessed by Jesus and, and the parents wanted their children blessed by Jesus and the disciples shooed them away and Jesus said, let the little children, let them come to me for such is the kingdom of God. Jesus was a multi-generational minister and he loved the children and called them to himself. And Jesus ministered across genders. When the woman came to wash his feet in the house of Simon the Pharisee, they were indignant. This was so uncalled for, so uncouth, so uncultural for Jesus to be in such proximity to a woman, but not only a woman, but a woman who was known to be a sinner. And Simon, kind of in an aside, in a Shakespearean moment, said if, if he was such a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him, what kind of woman is washing his feet. And Jesus reached out across gender and across cultural expectation 
And he said, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair. And you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And as you did not put oil on my head, she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus turned and said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is the kind of people-focused church we must be to see people, to really see people as Jesus sees them. To see them as Jesus sees them in the sense of noticing them, the individual, the outlier, the lonely person, the person on the outside. But to see them also as Jesus sees them, to see someone who is a child of God, to see someone who is made in the image of God and to reach out to them with the love of God. This is the radical love of God that we are called to show. We want to be a church that is constantly and naturally reaching out to unchurched people and to be a church where people can belong and experience community and play their part. To see people as God sees them whether it's Zacchaeus or Hagar or the woman who is bleeding or the blind and deaf man, is to really see people. And so we need to pray that the Lord will pour out into our hearts the love of Christ so that when we reach out, when we meet people, when we encounter people, we look into their eyes and we see Jesus. We minister in the name of Jesus. We love in the name of Jesus. We love across gender. We love across um, culture. We love across the ages. We love with the love of Jesus. For he has poured out his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. I want to pray for us tonight on two fronts. I want to pray for you if you feel like Zacchaeus. Or you feel like Hagar. Or you feel like that woman who is bleeding and you feel lost in the crowd, or you feel the pain of loneliness, or you feel the isolation or the rejection, but God sees you. Elroy sees you. He hears you. And I want you to encounter him tonight and to meet with him and to touch him and to feel his healing power in your life. But I also want to pray for all of us that we would be like Jesus. We would be his hands and his feet and his eyes and his smile. That we would show the love of God to others. That we would be that people-focused church. So those are the two areas I'm going to pray for now. So let's sit and let's close our eyes and let's pray and ask God to touch us afresh tonight.
The Lord knows your name personally. The Lord sees your circumstances individually. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He is not unfamiliar with your ways. You have always been seen by him and known by him. You are not lost to his sight or his heart. He has his hand upon you. And he will guide you and he will touch you and he will heal you. The Lord sees you. The Lord knows you by name. There isn't a bird that falls to the ground where God doesn't know about it. And yet you are worth so much more than the sparrows in the trees. He made you. In the image of God, he made you. And so this evening, even if you feel lost in the darkness and you feel alone, you are not alone. God is with you. And God will guide you and God will help you. And God will give you a hope and a future. And God will touch you. And you are not hidden from him. And like the woman with the bleeding, as she reached out to touch him, Jesus' healing power flowed into her. And I pray for you tonight that as you sit in the presence of God, that the Lord will touch you. I pray that he will touch your heart. I pray that he will cause his healing power to flow into you right now. I pray that he will heal you and restore you and restore your sight and your hearing and your heart. I pray that the Lord will meet with you and encounter you and that you will know that you are not hidden from him and you never were. I pray that the Lord will draw near to you and minister grace to you. I pray that the Lord will lift you up and encourage your heart. I pray that El Roy will see you. I pray that the God who hears will hear you and that he will touch and bless you and lead you forwards. I pray that even though you feel like you are just one in a crowd, you are not, you are known to God and he loves you dearly. And I pray for every one of us that we might be a people-focused church, a people that see people, that notice people, the individual, the person who is alone, the person on the outside. I pray that we would be a people that are filled with the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that as we see people the way God sees them, we notice them. We also see them as God sees them in that we see their intrinsic value and dignity and the image of God in them, that we would powerfully minister the name of Jesus and we might be those people-focused people that reach out and offer the gospel and all of its truth and all of its peace and all of its healing power. So Lord, we ask that you would touch each one of us tonight, that we would truly encounter the living Christ. Change our hearts and our view and our perspective. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.